And a good morning to you. Welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Mizuno Golf Reach Beyond, by Palms Resort. Become a member at cpalms.com, by Club Car, the leader in sport utility and personal vehicles, by RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic, giving back to our community, and by Bridgestone Golf. Get fitted for your Tour B ball today. On the show, we're going to talk with uh, Director of Instruction Jason Bale at Jupiter Hills Golf Club. Uh, who has worked in the past with uh, Darren Clark and currently works with a lot of PGA, LPGA, Live Tour, Champions, Latin America, Canadian players. We're going to talk to him about some of those similarities. Plus, we'll talk tours and rumors with Golf Channel's Damon Hack and then former Golf Channel announcer Mike Ritz, now writer. We'll discuss also with him the tour battles, the impact on the game, the Ryder Cup, President's Cup, all that stuff. First up, though, Director of Instruction at Jupiter Hills, good friend Jason Bale. Good morning, Jason. How are you? Good morning, Rich. I'm doing great. Hope you are. I am. How are things in uh, Jupiter today? Uh, things are wonderful. Just got here to uh, to the club and the Performance Center, and I'm uh, going to start teaching right after you get me off your show and uh, <laughs> have a great day with it, and then maybe spend some time with the family. Well, that'll be a good weekend for sure. Well, you've worked with Darren. I know you don't work with him now, but uh, how happy were you for him when he became the fourth player in history to win the Open and the Senior Open. Absolutely ecstatic. Darren um, is a good friend now and a, and a great guy. Enjoyed my time with him very much, learned an awful lot. And uh, I know how important uh, the win was for him. That yeah. was something that uh, uh, we set out last year to do is on our to-do list. So it was really, really wonderful to see him pull that off. Uh, spent some time in, um, uh, at his club uh, in uh, Abaco. Uh, Bahamas teaching this summer, and um, and everybody was you know really excited about the coming weeks and and what possibly could happen. So to see him pull that off um, and just grind it out down the stretch was uh, was absolutely awesome. Yeah, that was a that was a great win. He's such a likable guy. I mean, he, you know, it it's like he he plays the game. Yes, he is competitive, but he also just seems like a guy you'd like to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, he, certainly, I mean, it's it's you know having my time with him. Uh, uh, you know, we would we were uh, good for each other. We'd get in each other's face, but then we could laugh and have a beer afterwards. And uh, and so he's he's everything you want a guy to be. He is absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, smoke a cigar, have a pint, as he would say, but jovial, and he just looked thoroughly thrilled when he got done in the win. No, he was, he, he deserved it. He works, you know. There's this uh, persona of uh, Darren sometimes, and uh, and and that he's you know that uh, affable guy that 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 wants to do exactly what you just said. And then there's the side many people don't see, and it's how hard he really works, and he he really does put the time in. He's not afraid to work hard at. It. Well, you've worked with Darren. You've worked with PGA players currently, live players, uh, LPGA champions, Canada, Latin. Um, Right now, there's a lot of battles going on uh, with all this talk. I mean, what have you heard from some of the players that you work with? I guess more specifically, maybe Peter Uline, who now plays uh, regularly on the Live Tour, about what's going on. I mean, they've left behind a lot of stuff, but they've got a lot to go forward with. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of funny. I was having this conversation with a member the other day because I, I, I kind of feel like being in the middle of some of it, I've, I've you know, um, <clears throat> had this uh, kind of big change in how right. I view it. Right. Um, you know, do I wish any of this had happened? Absolutely not. I yeah. Mean, uh, I don't. Um, am I like 
I've, I've just had a different view on it now because of being inside the ropes and hearing hearing the things from players um, and uh, some stuff that maybe the public kind of just doesn't know about uh, about how hard it is to play professional golf for a living and make right. a living doing it. You know, I mean, you can you can uh, be the seventy fifth uh, uh, player on the money list for the Corn Ferry Tour, for instance, and you you keep your status for the next year, but you're you're probably down about eighty five thousand dollars. So you lost right. eighty five grand, and you got to keep your job. And so there's some areas in there, you know, where where the the money's. Uh, I think I heard not too long ago that you if you finished forty first at uh, the AT and T Byron Nelson five years ago, and you finished. 41st uh, this past year that you may have made more money five years ago. Uh, so there's just some, there's some stuff in there. I think yeah. it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not a, I'm not saying it's a, uh, uh, some kind of coup or anything like that. I just think that the way the money's been structured and the way the players have, uh, have kind of gone through this, uh, I think it's going to shake out in the long run to hopefully help the game. Um, but boy, right now it, uh, it's, it's, it's a firestorm. Um, and I just hope we can all come through it uh, with golf being a better game, and, uh, and and then I think we're okay. Well, a lot of the guys who I've heard and read about that went on the Live Tour, you know, I mean, obviously money became a big factor, uh, you know, generational money type thing, uh, playing less tournaments, although, you know, next year that is going to change. They're only going to play more. Um, but the PGA Tour, a lot of people, I don't think, know that it costs a lot to enter tournaments, to go to Q school, to, you know, to try and make it on the tour. And it's quite expensive in order to even have a chance. Absolutely. No, that's, I mean, we, one of the first things we do when we start working with a younger player um, who, you know, uh, is, is tell us about your money situation. Yeah. Do you have, do you have backing? Um, because that means so much to, uh, to the comfort level of the player um, when they're, when they're going out there. And if they're, you know, beg, barn and stealing to kind of come up with the money uh, just to compete, that's a heavy grind on a lot of players' minds. And so, um, you know, it costs a lot of money to play professional golf. Yeah. And somebody's got to come up with it. If that's if that's not uh, if that's something that's going to wear on you, then that has to be taken into consideration. Constantly. Yeah. What's Peter talked about? I mean, is he is he? I mean, obviously he's financially set, but I mean, does he enjoy the competition? Does he feel it's an exhibition? Does he feel it's competitive? Has he talked anything about that with you? Yeah, we, we you know, we've had several conversations right before we left. We were preparing for uh, for Bedminster last week, and uh, the big thing is uh, Zach uh, Guthrie, his caddy, was here with us, and so the big thing is they're really they're having a blast. They're, they've been treating them well. It's it's a, a very different feel. Um, I think they're trying to do a bunch of stuff uh, for the fans. Um, and make it kind of an event. Uh, it took them a little while to get uh, to get into the shotgun thing, which yeah. I think, from a viewer standpoint, um, is kind of cool. But uh, I think from the player standpoint, they're like you know trying to figure that out a little bit. But now three weeks in, I think they're uh, they're good with that. Uh, it's the, the competitive stuff is there. I mean, you don't you don't take the players that are that are on that tour uh, while it may not be as deep as I assume it will be in uh, by the right. end of the year. But if you take, you know, the major champions you've got there, the Ryder Cup players that you've got there, um, and then the money on the line, it, it's going to be competitive. So the exhibition thing that I've heard, you know, tossed around, uh, I, I wouldn't agree with that. Um, we're playing golf. We're playing professional golf with really good players for some money. So 
uh, I, I, I know that feel is competitive. Um, it was from the get-go. Yeah. Um, but as far as the way they treat the caddies, the way they treat the players, uh, I've heard nothing but good things. Yeah. All right, let me ask you, let's talk about instruction because um, it's what you do, and it's what you love to do, and you do it very well. I was talking the other day with some players, and they're saying they're having issues with their putting. And one of the issues is, where do I put the ball when I'm putting? Is it under my dominant eye? Is it in the middle? Is it more towards the front? I mean, do you have a one way to do it, or are there just a bunch of ways to do it? Well, I would I'd answer that question. You know, everybody's a case study of one when it comes to that. So, you know, where you put the ball uh, is going to have a lot to do with where your putter aims. You know, so traditionally, uh, uh, players that uh, that aim the, the putter uh, too much to the right would move the ball up, and right. players that aim too much to the left might move the ball back a little bit. Uh, Mike Shannon, uh, when I worked for him there at Sea Island, was a big proponent of that. Um, but if the ball gets too far back, we're going to strike down on it instead of having the putter rise a little bit through yeah, impact. Yeah. So, so there's, you know, there's having you know, a lot of that is trial and error. Sometimes used with a laser working back and forth. Um, I personally, when I go to putt, um, I try to get it underneath the logo of my shirt. Um, I okay. think if everybody kind of started there as uh, a logo on the left chest and I walk in, I just kind of feel the ball underneath the logo okay. and my eyes slightly inside the ball line. I always kind of start people there and then see how they react to that. Okay. All right. How do you fix hitting the ball fat or thin? And is it the same issue? I mean, do you do, uh, do you do things differently when you hit it fat and do things differently when you hit it thin, even though the results are horrible? Well, uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked that part. Is, is it the same problem? A lot of times it is. So they're two totally different shots. Right. Um, but but the problem is you're not controlling the lowest point of your swing. So if we just kind of start with that, like, you know, I'm hitting it fat and thin. I'm not controlling the low point of my swing. All right. So what's the next easiest thing to go to after that? It's like, okay, where's my ball position? All right. Because if we're hitting it thin, chances are the club's bottoming out before it gets to the ball and then rising and hitting it thin. You just didn't make a divot. And then when you hit it fat and you bottom the club out prior to hitting, you just made a divot. So it can actually be the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of that, uh, if the ball's in the right spot and we're still doing that, then I then the pivot starts getting involved uh, where the pressure might be in the backswing pivot might be shifting to the outside of the right foot or the trail foot. Um, and when that happens, we get some some slide or sway in the backswing. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's basically the ball's moving in your stance without moving. You're just we've got pressure issues in your pivot. Yeah. Well, I've obviously got some pressures in my pivot, and <laughs> I may be swaying a little bit more than I think I am. You know, the hardest thing I played a hundred holes of golf last Monday for the first tee program. And yeah. one of the things that I realized during that, which I wish I could do it when I play more often is that you stop thinking about it. I mean, you say, I've got 150 yards in, you grab a club out of your bag, you step up, you know you got 99 holes left to play. Uh, <laughs> you stop thinking about it. But when you're playing 18 with your buddies and you're trying to get points or try and beat the other team, it's amazing how many thoughts go through your head. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I saw that you did that. I think that's really cool. Congratulations on uh, the first tees. Uh, I'm uh, very lucky to have you there. Yeah. They, uh, they did a fantastic job. I mean, it's going to be a yearly event, so, I mean, they raised a bunch of money. But 
I need to come down and see you. I know you've put out invitations to me before, but I need to come down and see you because I want to see your setup down there at Jupiter Hills Club. Great. We would love to have you, Rich, anytime. All right, Jason. Thanks for uh, taking away from uh, instruction and giving me some instruction this morning. I appreciate it. You have a great day and enjoy your family this weekend. You as well, and all my best, everybody at Seattle. All right. Take care. Jason Bale, Director of Instruction at Jupiter Hills Club, uh, down in Jupiter, of course. And uh, coming up, we're going to talk with Golf Channel's Damon Hack. How was it going over to the Open um, with all the other controversies going on over there? But you will never, ever have a controversy when you check out the monthly specials created by the local elementary schools, and that happens only at CJ's Italian Restaurant. I think the best deep dish best pizza period in this area. Uh, the deep dish is phenomenal. Uh, the thin crust is good. The cauliflower crust is just exceptional. Uh, every morning from scratch, they make their pizza doughs, their breads, their sauces, dressings, toppings, everything. That list goes on and on. Produce delivered fresh and prepared daily. And if your kid is having a birthday party, what a place to go. But CJ's, uh, you can get them pizza dough. Uh, you can, they can play with it. They can make their own pizzas while they're there. Um, I mean, just a great place to take the family. Order in or take out. It'll make it real easy for you. Check out their full menu, and you'll love everything they've got at cjsitalianrestaurant.com. Hal Sutton here. You're listening to the Backline Boys here today. And welcome. I'm Rich Stiles. Thanks for being with us. Uh, our next guest is Damon Hack of NBC Sports Golf Channel. Good morning, Damon, and thank you for being with us this morning. Rich, good morning. How are you, pal? I'm doing good. I hope you are. Absolutely, yeah. You know, uh... Raising these triplet boys with my wife. Uh, one of my boys is in the tennis semifinals of his tournament. So, uh, yeah, a little tennis, maybe a little golf this weekend, all as well. Awesome. That is a great to have the family and glad he's doing well. And you'll be a proud dad watching him out there competing. Oh, no doubt about it. It's a lot of fun uh, to be a, a sports crazy guy like I am and to have three sports crazy uh, sons is pretty cool. Yeah, that is. That is. All right, speaking of being pretty cool and sports crazy, how good was the last day at the Open at St. Andrews? Oh, Rich, it was so good. It was uh, just a wonderful week. The, the gallery was, like, so appreciative of the quality of golf, the 150th Open at the old course at St. Andrews. You had Jack, you had Tiger, you had Tom Watson walking around as a newlywed. I got to chat with him and his new bride, Leslie Ann. I spoke to John Daly. Everywhere you look, that's what's so cool about an open at St. Andrews. It's such a small town that everybody bumps into yeah. everybody at dinner or, you know, walking to and fro the course. And, and then you had Rory McIlroy. I guess the only, you know, bummer for the, for the fans uh, was the fact that Rory couldn't find a way to get it done. All due respect to Cam Smith and his remarkable round of 64 to close oh my it out. Gosh, you yeah. can tell that the people really wanted Rory to get it done. Well, they did. And, I mean, I don't think Rory played badly. He had some great putts. I mean, the speed was perfect. They just ended up not in the hole. And Cam just had an unbelievable back nine. Exactly right. Maybe Rory was a little conservative. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a two-horse race between he and Hovland, and he was well ahead of Victor Hovland. And all of a sudden you had Cameron Smith making birdies by the bunches, and it was just Rory could not – you know, change his game plan at the time. A little conservative, maybe off the jump. Yeah. And the next thing you know, he's a, a chaser and not able to get it done. But you know, kudos to Cam Smith—a remarkable up and down for birdie uh, at 18, a great uh, up and down for par at 17, and at a 64 in a final round at the Open 
is one he'll remember forever. Yeah, and, you know, Rory just wasn't Rory, it seemed like, for the last 12, 10, 12 holes. I mean, he just seemed, as you said, to be protective. He was playing conservatively, and that isn't normally how he's won in the past. Exactly right, and it's interesting that in these major championships now, he's going to be going on nine years without one. Uh, that's where, you know, we're missing the Rory of old. It's yeah. not that he's not winning anymore. He's won FedEx Cup and won the Players' Championship, won a couple of Canadian Opens. These are big-time events. Yeah. But we just have not seen him break through for that fifth major championship. I, I tell you what, though, he had a fantastic major championship season. When you look at it on the whole, a great closing 64 at Augusta. It was in the mix uh, in the top ten of all four major championships. So it's definitely not a season to sniff at. But you know he's trying desperately to kind of break that major championship curse going on nine years now. Yeah, you bet. And I, I was very impressed. Uh, I was actually surprised at the finish of Cameron Young. Oh, how about that? Yeah, you know, he doesn't live or didn't grow up too far from, from where I live. Uh, Sleepy Hollow, his father's a Sleepy Hollow, longtime uh, head professional there. So he kind of grew up in the Westchester County uh, circuit metropolitan golf area where there's so many fantastic courses. You think about Wingfoot and Westchester Country Club, yeah. Quaker. Uh, he grew up around around some great golf courses and some great golf people. Uh, Cameron Young is someone who is looking for his first win on the PJ Tour. Actually, he's on the leaderboard playing very well at the Rocket Mortgage in Detroit. So much like a Will Zalatoris, I think Will and Cameron Young are two of the best players without a win on the PGA Tour, but I expect that both players will check that box shortly. Do you think that now that Cameron Young uh, is young, first of all, young player, great player, he may have a target on his back as far as the Live Tour? Excellent question. I think a lot of these players are, are going to have targets, and I think the women's game may be even more vulnerable than the men's game, and we've seen a lot of great male players, Bubba Watson, the most recent to Agree to join yep. Live. You know, he's a two time Masters champ, such a, a big part annually of the Travelers Championship. You think about the tears he had when he broke through for his first PGA Tour win. Loves to play Tory Pines, loves to be a part of the President's and Ryder Cup. He's saying goodbye to a big part of his career. So sure. I do think that a lot of young players uh, will get, you know, asked. They'll get the phone calls. And I also expect the LPGA, whose salaries are much smaller, whose purses, are much smaller than the PGA Tour players. They're going to be very, very vulnerable, I think, to, to Greg Norman and this upstart uh, rival circuit. Oh, that's going to be an interesting... I know that the LPGA commissioner was saying she would greatly, uh, you know, like to have a conversation uh, where that goes. Uh, uh, it's amazing where it's going, and I'm just... Unfortunately, I'm not a fan of the drama and the battles, uh, but it's, it's here to stay. It's not going to go away. Yeah, I'm not a fan either. I think that it hurts both products. I think you've got a fracturing yeah. top of professional golf. I mean, who who wants the Ryder Cup with no Brooks, no Bryson, no Reed, no DJ, no Poulter, no Sergio, no Stenson, uh, you know, no Graham McDowell, no Westwood. I mean, these are kind yeah. of the lions of their respect. Yeah. PJ Tour, European Tour. It, it's it's sad to see the fracturing. I think at the top of the game. Yeah, I've heard somebody refer to the Live Tour as a pre-Champions Tour. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yes, yeah, it's not a bad uh, comparison when you consider the age of most of the players, 40s or in Phil's case, north of 50. Yep. I, my biggest problem is they're trying to say it's competitive and it's competition. You know, you go from 72 to 54 holes. 
guaranteed money, um, you know, music playing. To me, it doesn't really feel like the height of competition. Yeah, maybe I agree. I'm old school that way. Uh, I think it's something different. I think that the money is obviously the biggest attraction. You're hearing the players say, well, I want to sure. grow the game. I think it's more about growing their wallets. Yep. Some people have had financial issues. Bill's talked about his gambling. Stenson lost some $8 million in that Allen Stanford Ponzi scheme. So everybody has to kind of make their own decision and sleep in their own bed. But I'm uncomfortable with the, where the money's coming from. I'm also uncomfortable with the fact that I don't think it's really high-level competition, which is what the PGA Tour has been all about. I totally agree with every point you just made. One question, how do you feel the fans treated some or all of the LIV players that were playing at the Open? Yeah, you know, Poulter got a couple of cat calls. Phil got maybe one. I know Phil was heckled actually yesterday. Um, in uh, at Bedminster, uh, mm. a fan who said you're you're being owed you're being paid by the, the you're they're working for the Saudi royal family. I, I think that for the really died in the wool golf fan who pays attention, he or she may have a problem with it. But I actually thought there'd be more heckling and booing at the old course. But the fans there are, are so wonderful. It was yeah. more about the golf. There, there was a cat call here or there, but I think at the end of the day. Your first reaction is, oh, my gosh, there's Phil Mickelson, or, oh, my gosh, there's DJ, and, and maybe there's a disconnect between all of the, the things going on outside the ropes. And, and your first reaction is to want to be positive and root for players that you right. rooted for for a long time. But I think the golf fan who is paying close attention, who really has a problem with what's happening to the game, um, those were the ones who were vocal at the old course and have, will continue to be vocal, I imagine, as the weeks and months wear on. Yeah, and some of them are probably saying, Boy, there's Phil. Oh, I haven't seen him in a long time. Oh, there's DJ. Haven't seen him in a long time, except on social media. You know, it, they don't have what they would like, which is the TV network. That's exactly right. And, of course, you know, they signed uh, David Faraday, my former now colleague at NBC yeah. Golf Channel. So they took a, a run at Charles Barkley, who decided ultimately to stay with TNT and, and do his NBA thing. But make no mistake, this uh, Live Golf Series, they have deep pockets, and they're throwing a lot of dollar signs at a lot of different people to make this series uh, appear as legitimate as possible. Damon, frank question. Were you surprised that David Faraday went with the Live Tour? I was, Rich. i tell you, I actually bumped into David for breakfast uh, one morning down at the Rusax Hotel, which is right along the 18th Fairway. I just saw him. I was on my way out. He was sitting down for breakfast and said, good morning. We had a very short chat. Didn't even cross my mind that, that live was even a possibility. Mm. We didn't talk much about golf. We were just kind of saying, hi, how are you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. I think that um, David is such a talented broadcaster. I'm more saddened that we yeah. as, at NBC and Golf Channel couldn't find a way to keep him. Obviously, the numbers must have been immense. I think he's such a marvelous talent. I was a huge fan of Faraday, his interview show. Sure. Loved him back at CBS when he was making jokes with Gary McCord. I'm just sad that he's not a part of the NBC Golf Channel family anymore. Uh, the dollars must have been big. Uh, David is a grown man, uh, a wonderful talent, and made his own decision. Um, I'll always respect him as a person and a colleague. But yeah, personally, I'm sad uh, that he's not uh, a part of our team anymore. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, a lot of people will miss him. Ryder Cup, President's Cup, do you think, we've just talked a little bit about some of the fact that who won't be playing, do you think it's been diminished? Do you think it's 
going to not be as exciting? Or do you think Davis and Zach are going to be able to find some of these young players and some maybe some older players who maybe wouldn't qualify as a captain's pick, i.e. maybe Webb Simpson to be on the team in order to gain some stability? I think it'll be a talking point uh, leading up to those matches, but I think once it's time to put the tees in the ground and, and hit some golf shots, you know, it's not a poor thing to see the likes of Justin Thomas and Scotty Scheffler. Uh, you know, maybe you do get some young players like Will Zalatoris and, and Cameron Young, and then maybe you do get some veterans like a Webb Simpson who is staying on the PGA Tour or right. Stewart Sink. I think once they put the uniform on, once you start having the pomp and circumstance, you know, once they get to Italy in 23 or Charlotte in a few months, I think that the quality of golf will still be high. It'll be a backstory. It'll be interesting if, if there are yeah. um, if some, some bodies that we feel like are, are noticeably absent, but I still think that the talent the PGA Tour is deep enough to make it a fun competition. All right, what would you think about Stenson basically walking away from the Ryder Cup captaincy, which is what a lot of players, whether it be European or U.S., strive for? I mean, that's like the culmination of their career in order to be a captain for the Ryder Cup, and he just kind of walked away. And I, I, from what I read, it's like he didn't think he would have to walk away. Yeah, he thought he could do both, that he can kind of pick from both baskets. And I'm surprised that he took the job to begin with yeah, he thought that it was a possibility that he would leave because on that March day, we actually had him on Golf Channel and my show Golf Today, and he was talking about the honor and the joy, and I'm the first from Sweden, and this is for all the Swedish players who came before me, and it was kind of a beautiful story. And you know, with the rumored league at the time, you knew that Stenson's age was the target that they were looking for, right. but I just thought that his five-time you know, resume as a player and as a, an assistant captain as well right. have carried the day, the pride of putting on that European uniform, and it just wasn't to be. I was more sad for him and more sad for the game because what a wonderful moment it would have been for him to be the first Swede. And I know that the folks in Sweden, especially with the Swedish Golf Federation, were very disappointed yeah, with the decision. I'm sure they were. But I think a great decision, Luke Donald, I, I think should have been the first choice anyway. I think so, too. Would have been a much safer play. Also someone with fantastic uh, a Ryder Cup bona fide, yeah. a, a former world number one. Uh, I think that once we get to Italy, the, the story will be hopefully about Luke and his players and about Zach and his players. But right now, you said it, man. This story's not going away, Rich. We're in the thick of it, and it just seems like, you know, one week it's, you know, it's Henrik Stenson. The next week it's, it's Bubba Watson. And I, yeah. I sadly think that's going to be kind of the, the rhythm of these upcoming weeks in golf. Yeah, I think we're obviously, we're not going to be done. It's still going to be in the headlines. It's going to be probably the first or second story, uh, but it's, it's unfortunate what it's done to the battle and it's not over. And uh, Damon, I appreciate your time. Enjoy your weekend and good luck in the tennis tournament today with your son. Thank you, my friend. Always great catching up, Rich. All right. Take care. Damon Hack, Golf Channel, Golf Today, great guy. Just talking about all the stuff that's going on with Liv and the PGA Tour and how they're being treated and we're going to have more with that with our next guest, uh, former Golf Channel announcer Mike Ritz, now a, a writer, a very good writer, uh, but we're going to talk with him in just a minute. But first, you've got to decide whether the clubs you're using now are good for you, and if they're not, you need to check out the Mizuno irons, the 922, 923, and 925s. Uh, they will improve your game, and they have this new Mizuno uh, driver that's coming out, fairway metals and hybrids, uh, their game improvement, they will really change your game. 
improve it, make it better. And they have also got blade putters, mallet putters. Try those out as well. But check out everything on MizunoGolf.com. Mizuno Golf, reach beyond. Hi, this is Jimmy Roberts from NBC Sports, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I met Jimmy at Sea Island. He was playing golf with some guys, and I uh, talked to him and asked him if he'd come on the show, and he was just so kind to do that. Also being so kind to be with us this morning is former uh, Golf Channel announcer Mike Ritz, now a great writer. Good morning, Mike, and how are you? Good morning, Rich. I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I am doing great, and I appreciate you taking the time on a Saturday morning to be with me and uh, maybe give up a tea time, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you still got time to get out there. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. Hey. Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, our, our visit with each other last time, and I uh, was very happy to get your invitation to come back. Well, it's always a pleasure, and you've written a lot about the PGA Tour, the Live Tour. I mean, everybody's talking about it. It's, I mean, you can't pick up social media or anything on golf with, without them both being in the same sentence even more. What are your thoughts about the battle? It's not going to end, uh, but what are your thoughts all, all about it? Well, uh, uh, let me first start by, by saying what, is, what has happened with me the last few weeks and probably with everybody else who uh, writes and talks about golf, the first thing I do in the morning um, is I do a Google search of LIV golf to see what's happened overnight. Yeah, yeah see, and, uh, see who signed. There's, there's usually something. Yeah. Um, and I mean that's that's what I was doing this, this morning, waiting uh, to to come on with you. A typical morning for me. I've got Golf Channel on the TV. I'm watching the Women's Scottish <laughs> Open and reading all the reports about the uh, Live Golf event. It's uh, whether you 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 like it or not. It certainly uh, uh, has has grabbed everybody's attention. So it's, it's not going away anytime soon. No, it's not. I mean, they just have too much unlimited, uh, endless pockets. Um, but do you think that Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour have handled this situation properly? I'm, I'm not, let me put it this way, I'm not impressed with how um, Jay Monahan has handled this. Um, from the very beginning, I, he's gotten better, but I don't know if you or, or your listeners uh, saw the interview, the first interview he did with Jim Nance when he went into the tower. Oh, yeah. It was embarrassing. Yes, I thought. It was. Uh, I mean, yeah. every question that 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 Jim asked was obvious, and it didn't seem like Monaghan was ready to answer it. Um, and I pay pretty close attention to things, and uh, even at this stage now, I'm still not sure why the PGA Tour doesn't like live golf. I'm not saying they should or shouldn't. I'm just saying their argument against it has not been clear. I mean, I can make any number of arguments as to why I don't think live golf is, is comparable to real golf. Right. I think it's exhibition golf. That's all it is. Um, it's, 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 it's not competitive golf. The fields aren't great despite what they try to sell. Right. Uh, the TV product isn't great either. Um, but I don't think Mr. Monahan nor the PGA Tour has done a very good job of, of articulating exactly um, why it's such a bad thing. And I think what's going to happen eventually, and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to be foolish enough to predict anything, but I think uh, what could very well happen is that um, 
live golf will continue to live in a in a different fashion and will be accepted by the PGA Tour and the former European Tour now known as the DP World Tour. And what's going to happen um, is that, uh, to some effect, live golf is going to become what used to be the silly season. We're going to mm. see the PGA Tour. Uh, and any, this is actually what I, I would like to see happen. I think it makes sense. Okay. Um, the PGA Tour plays its, its, its new schedule. Thankfully, they get rid of that wraparound uh, season that went from uh, fall through the next fall. Right. Ridiculous. They go, they're now they're going back starting in 23 with a January through uh, first week of September. Uh, we'll see the playoffs end. Well, that's a perfect opportunity then um, for Live Golf to step in and have its tournaments um, or outings, which is probably a better way to describe them, um, for we've got virtually four months, uh, September, October, November, December. And so that becomes the silly season. And now you're, you've got guaranteed money um, out there for all the top players, which is what Greg Norman wants to have. Right. And here's an opportunity now. It's not going to be in conflict with the PGA Tour. And it gives these players great, great money. And it allows Norman to do whatever the heck he wants. Uh, with how he presents his golf tournaments, I think it's a win-win for everyone. Um, mm. If if as long as you don't get into the political fight, which is something that isn't going to go away either. Yeah, I mean Norman has got this vendetta against the PGA Tour since the early '90s. Right, um, that's not going to change. But but Mike, in your scenario, what happens to the 2022 fall events? Um, you know that you know, go right. from September to November, what happens to those? Well, um, those are already going away with what the tour is, is, has uh, come up with with its new schedule. So we don't even know what the tour's new schedule is. Monaghan has talked about what's going to happen in the fall. We're going to have worldwide events that are similar, actually, to what LIV is doing. They're going to be um, uh, no-cut events for a limited field. Um, I think it was 40 or 50 and um, from the top players coming off of the FedEx Cup uh, points list for right. the regular season. And then they'll have the uh, another handful of tournaments that will serve as what used to be Q School. And that handful of tournaments will allow the players who were in the, the bottom two-thirds of the PGA Tour FedEx Cup to uh, earn the right to return to the Tour. So... Um, the, the events that we see now in 2022, they're going away anyhow. Those fall events are not going to exist as we see them now. Oh, boy, that's so, going um, to hurt the sponsors. Uh, I, I beg your pardon? That's going to hurt the sponsors of those events unless they decide to go to another event. Right. Um, but, um, you know, you can uh, the events that exist now in the fall uh, are, are there because they're weaker events. And right. they're not requiring as much money um, from sponsors. And if the tour, is, the tour, no matter what happens, whether there's a, a, any kind of a, a, a joint venture or um, something that allows live to live in the fall alongside PG Tour, I, the the events that um, will be required for PGA Tour players to maintain their status. 
those are continuing to exist, right? right. I think no matter what, right? And I, that, I agree. That you know, so then you'll have uh, I don't know what they're going to be. It hasn't been spelled out yet, but you, you may very well that that'll be your your formerly the, the Shell Houston Open. Of course, Shell's no longer there, uh, but the the Houston Open and um, the the event at Sea Island and uh, a couple other events that we're seeing now in the fall. I think they'll still exist, but they will just exist in in uh, a, a fashion that isn't as, um, uh, what should I say, spectacular. Now um, they'll be second second uh, tier events. Yeah, so it, not as they are now, but they still will have the events. Right. Yeah. Now okay. The, gotcha. Whether live or not, whether yeah. live is is is, is, is uh, <laughs> going to be allowed. Uh, players are going to be allowed to play there or not. Right. And, again, the, what the tour is, is going to do is they're going to, right now, at least, they're going to have their events um, for the top players and the other events for the players trying to keep their cards. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, Greg's... Uh, uh, one of the things I wrote uh, is how, how difficult it is for him to uh, give up a grudge. Yeah. Back in, back in the early 90s, and... Uh, when he was proposing his world tour, right? Well, what you know, the tour would never admit it, but <clears throat> that's the reason World Golf Championships came into existence. Exactly. Direct resp- right, in direct response to what what Norman was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And now we're and, and what what the tour is saying it's going to do in the fall now is exactly what Norman's trying to do. Yeah. So, so um, you know, the the, the question and and. You know, uh, and we're seeing it in all sorts of protests this week uh, at the event in New Jersey. Uh, part of the reason being its proximity to uh, Manhattan and and Ground Zero. Right. Uh, protests uh, because of the money for Norman's tour is from the Saudis, and that's not going to go away. Uh, but the PGA Tour has not made it clear at all. If that's a reason why they don't allow their players to go there, yeah, they have yeah. not articulated that at all. Yeah, I I'm think... not taking, uh, you know, and and no matter what, and they that's so that goes back to your original question about how, what do I think about what Jade Monahan has done? Um, in some regards, he's actually hidden uh, because he allowed his players to play in the what used to be a European tour event for a couple of years, and then right. there was an Asian tour event which was the Saudi Invitational or International, I believe it was called. But again, it was in Saudi Arabia, and the money came from the same people. And that was okay. Yeah, but right. this is not. I yeah. mean, um, and then, of course, the arguments, well, why was it okay to play a World Golf Championship in China? But this is not okay. Yeah, I got you. Um, I totally agree. It's oh. kind of back and forth and not strong on one side. But, Mike, let us take right. a quick break and let us come right back because I want to continue this conversation. Awesome. Sounds great. Thanks. All right. We'll be right back with Mike Ritz right after this. Hey, this is John Wade, Director of Golf at Ocean Forest Golf Club, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're with Mike Ritz. Um, Mike, we were talking a lot about Monaghan and the uh, PGA Tour, and now Liv wants to talk to the LPGA. Um, I mean, the money that they're talking about given to the players that go from PGA Tour to Live is incredible when they go to the LPGA if they de- decide to do that the money is going to be like double what they're getting maybe triple what they're getting well I, I'm not sure what information you're looking at but I'm, I'm actually 
glad you brought up uh, the LPGA because that's something that um, the vast majority of golf reporters and golf fans aren't aware of. The Saudis already sponsor LPGA golf. Right. Um, the Aramco series. And here's another case of hypocrisy in my mind. Uh, golf Channel, which, of course, uh, my former employer, and, uh, and we left on the best of terms, and that remains so, but it doesn't keep me from criticizing them. Uh, golf Channel will not treat Live Golf as a real entity or as reporting scores and, and results. It certainly pays attention to the news side of it, what's right, happening. Right. So on one end, there's, uh, and, and part of that, uh, again, because of the relationship of that, that golf uh, league with the, the Saudis. So it's like, well, if that's the case, then why was it okay for Golf Channel to carry live all of the rounds the last couple of years of the Aramco series through the Women's European Tour? Right. Um, again, it's like, you know, it's like, pay attention, people. Um, yeah. And, 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 and be upfront and be transparent and be honest. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's, that's my criticism. Uh, but, yeah, so the money's already, they're, they're already involved in it, and, and, the Saudi royal family is involved in, 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 in lots of, of sports. And I do believe that it, it is sports washing. And, it, um, they're, and that's what makes their business model so troublesome for the PGA Tour. It's very difficult to compete against somebody who doesn't care if they lose money. Right. Um, they're, they're in this, uh, as far as I can tell, they're in this to, to try to uh, build their image with, with the Western world um, and, and they've made this clear in, in many of their statements. I'm referring to the Saudi royal family, and that they want to be able to do business with the entire world, right? And in business, that's more than oil, because they are smart enough to realize that maybe 20, 25 years from now, oil's not going to be the big money maker that it is today, right? And they right. have already tried to uh, broaden their economic base, and part of that is to make themselves attractive to the Western world. So what do they do? They start doing things like golf tournaments, Formula One racing, right. um, professional wrestling, boxing. It's like, look at us. Isn't it great? Hey, do business with us. Aren't we great people? Isn't this a wonderful thing? Yeah. And that's, that's, they're, they're not stupid. That's what they're trying to do. Right. And they're, they can be effective. I'm not sure if I would want Greg Norman as my front man to do that, but... <laughs> Um, I think I, I uh, agree with you on that. Um, quickly, we only got about a minute and a half left. What do you think the Masters is going to do, and I know it's your opinion, with the live players? Right. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up. Because it, it, the, the, beyond the Masters, I think, and this is one of the things that I, why I say that, that live golf is not real golf. It's, it's exhibition golf. Right, right. It's 54 holes. It's a shotgun start, which is a joke. I mean, it looks like you know an outing at your club. Um, right. And just pay attention to what the to the open and how important it was for the at the open at the old course to to finish up everybody finishing on seventeen and eighteen the way it did. Yeah, um, shotgun starts are, are not real tournaments. Fifty four holes are not real tournaments. This this league that they call themselves is not worthy of world ranking points. I totally and agree what, with you. There, what's going to happen down yep. the line is that these guys are going to fall in the world rankings, and the only players who are going to remain eligible 
in major championships such as the Masters are former champions. Yep, and Mike, we've only got 30 seconds left, and that would mean that the Masters would have to welcome them back. And, uh, you know, we don't know if, I mean, they might, and they may choose not to because it'll take away from the Masters. And they, they really don't want to do that. No. All right. Mike, appreciate it. I know it's cut short. I always love talking to you. Um, we'll do it again soon, but thank you for being with us. Awesome. Thanks, Rich. Really appreciate it. Uh, and, 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 and best to you, and I hope we talk again soon. Uh, we will. Thanks. Mike Ritz, uh, former Golf Channel announcer, uh, now a writer, and just writes about all this stuff. And thank you for being with us right here on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Heard every Saturday and Sunday right here on ESPNCoastal.com. You've been listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show with Rich Stiles. Go to backnineboys.com for all things golf whenever you want it. We'll be back next week with an all-new Back Nine Boys at backnineboys.com.